If you want to get stuff done, then you have come to the right place. This is the Get Stuff Done podcast, brought to you in association with RDI Worldwide, a weekly interview series with prominent and diverse people from around the world who will share their own unique insights on what it takes to get stuff done and their personal strategies for doing so. My name is Gordon Dudley, the creator of the Get Stuff Done project and host of this podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you enjoy this episode and would love to hear your feedback anytime. Let's get stuff done. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Get Stuff Done podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Dudley, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by actually the first guest that I've had on the podcast who we can definitely consider to be a celebrity. He's the first person to have a Wikipedia page. And so I think, uh, you know, part of recognition of of being, um, you know, uh, recognized as such is having a Wikipedia page. So I will use that uh, primarily for my introduction um, of my guest today. His name is Tyler Rash. And he is an American writer, educator, lecturer, actor, television personality in South Korea. Probably he is uh, one of the most uh, easily recognizable foreigners uh, in Korea uh, at this time. And he is the author of the bestseller, No Second Earth. Uh, actually, Dubonje Chugunen Opta as the title. And he actually has uh, been in Korea for almost the same amount of time as I have. He has a number of uh, roles and positions uh, currently. He is uh, a WWF Korea ambassador. He uh, has uh, recently um, started two different business ventures, which we're definitely going to talk about today, uh, which are uh, Speak Up Meetup and also Hangul Gwaja. Uh, Tyler has a, a BA in International Studies from the University of Chicago and an MA in International Relations from Seoul National University here in Korea. And I know that uh, that particular topic is one of his uh, pet favorites. He has around half a million uh, combined social media followers, um, which is is also uh, pretty amazing. So we have a lot of different topics to cover today. Uh, but first of all, Tyler, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I can't wait to to talk to you about all the topics that we have prepared for today. So. Excellent. Well, let's let's get right into it. And I always like to start asking my guests, first of all, because the title of this podcast, as you know, is the Get Stuff Done podcast. And so I uh, like to ask people what it is that uh, really makes them want to get stuff done. And, you know, you have accomplished a uh, very significant amount uh, already in, in your career um, across a wide variety of, of kind of sectors and, and, and spheres. And so tell me, what is it that, that drives you? What is it that uh, mm. makes you want to get stuff done? Oh, that's a that's a great question to start off with the why of everything. <laughs> the hardest question of all, right? Um, I I think think I think for me it's a it's mostly a question of taking what's in my head and then trying to find a way to get it out of my head. <laughs> so, so, okay. so any okay. idea that's in my head, I I want to try to 
make it get like give it a chance to become uh, what it can fully become right so for me getting stuff done is about that process so i okay. i guess you know when you say to get stuff done what kind of stuff are we really talking about you know sure, like sure, for me sure. the stuff that matters is the stuff yep. that i imagine and i'm like hey this would be really cool if this existed how can we make this happen that's okay. what i think about when i think about get stuff done okay I mean, yeah. there are some people that, that relate uh, that uh, GSD to a slightly mm. more vulgar word, um, but uh, uh, yes, I try to yeah. keep it. I try to keep it PC <laughs> under the Get yeah. Stuff Done project. Um, also, because GSD are my initials, Gordon Stewart Dudley. That's how it yes. all kind of kind of came about. Okay, well, in that case, then let's let's turn the clocks mm. back a little bit and go to when you kind of first came to Korea and. Mm. Uh, and then you you became uh, very well known um, in in the public forum. How was that something that you had planned? Was it something that you had uh, kind of mm. sought after for a, for a while, or, or, or did it happen all of a sudden? And and then you kind of built on that and, mm. and continued to do so. Right. So I have been in Korean media as a TV personality since two thousand fourteen. Uh, the first show I was on uh, in English, we call it non-summit or abnormal summit. And the Korean title is Bijong Sang Hedam. And then after that, I was on another show called, I believe they translate it as Problematic Men or okay. It's a strange okay. uh, translation. It's essentially if you took a bunch of Mensa problems and then, you know, had six people solving Mensa problems together and sort of talking about whatever they want to in between. And then you add a guest. So that was okay. the concept of the show. Okay. And then those two shows sort of became a bunch of other things and a huge uh, career in, in media in general. Okay. So um, my participation in that industry was never something that I had designed or had any designs for. Okay. <laughs> it was completely and utterly uh, a, um, what, what do you say, a, a coincidence uh, in a way, serendipity, or just a happening. Yeah, serendipitous yeah. happening, I guess you would say. So I was uh, studying at Seoul National University on the Korean government scholarship program, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. sort of the Korean version of the Fulbright, or you know, you see the DAAD in Germany or Show in Japan. These kind of government-sponsored scholarship programs. So Korea mm-hmm. has one of those, and I was here on that. Um, and during my studies, I, I was very focused on the Korean language. I didn't want to take any classes in English, uh, even though every department has at least one course available in English. And mm-hmm. uh, I was just very committed to that. So when I got to a point where, you know, my stipend was running out and I was mm-hmm. in sort of financial need of some other form of support, uh, many people around me told me that I should go about teaching English. And I understand that that is a very quick way to would have been a quick way to solve my problem, but it didn't help me get stuff done in the sense that what I wanted to get done was Mm -hmm. learning Korean. So -hmm. for me, I felt that that was not a helpful track. So instead I asked my other uh, non Anglophone uh, like friends uh, Mm -hmm. sort of where they find jobs. And there was this one website that, international students could go to and just get mm-hmm. the weirdest kind of jobs where like, for example, if Shinsegae Pekajam, Shinsegae department store or Lotte department store, they mm-hmm. have, you know, these food areas where people are selling 
uh, kimchi or banchan or mm-hmm. it's a bakery or it's a whatever. Well, they ha- mm-hmm. those are separate companies that have to do their own uh, advertising, right? So if they're going to have a big sale or something like that, what they'll do is or what they would do back then was they would get the international students to come and eat their food, take photos, give them maybe 40,000, 50,000 won and say, go home. But hey, you can show up, you can eat food, you can get 50,001 and you can go home. So so this is what I was looking for. And there were all these different advertisements on this site. And one was like JTBC is looking for foreign students. And I didn't watch television. I had no idea what that was. I sent my resume to them. They called mm-hmm. me. They were like, can you come for an interview? And I was like, yes. So I go. And then it was me and then 13 people who they employ, all of the writers for the show. And they're like, oh, it's actually a TV show. And we do debate in Korean. And I thought to myself, well, I need to defend my thesis at some point in Korean. So debate in Korean in front of millions of people on television, that sounds like I would be mentally prepared to yeah. argue in front of my professors. So <laughs> two, two that birds, would one help stone me get stuff sense, done. Yeah. Yes, right. yes, two birds, one stone. So for me, okay. that was a GSD moment. And I said yes to it. And then it became... It very quickly became this thing. Well, they were only planning on doing two episodes, but then they turned around and said, you're not going anywhere, are you? You better stay with us. And then it became a full-blown television show. And that was just the beginning of a a whole new opportunity in life. Right, I see. Yeah. And in, I mean, for, 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 I guess, most of the people uh, watching this in Korea, they, they will have seen you um, at, mm. at some point uh, in, in the last few years. But for people... <laughs> maybe outside of, of Korea, uh, mm. and, and maybe this is an interesting topic as well, which is the very nature of celebrity, is that if if mm-hmm. you are uh, not known, uh, um, you know, in a, in a certain place, and then you are a regular person. But, yes. but what, what yeah. Tyler is really known for is essentially, uh, and uh, typically reported as speaking Korean at, mm-hmm. a, more, at a better level than most Koreans. That, that is what, what people, that is what I think you have been become known for, um, which is, you know, I think, I think something very admirable, um, something mm-hmm. that I have not uh, by any stretch of the imagination achieved, uh, mm-hmm. even though I've also been in Korea for a long time. But you also speak other languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously English native, Korean pretty much native. What, what other languages do you have? Because one of the things we talk mm-hmm. about on the Get Stuff Done podcast is transferable skills, of which languages, mm-hmm. of course, is a, a big part. Uh, well, so I started learning Korean when I was about 21. So uh, I guess for a lot of people, that's a bit uh, sort of later in their language learning journey. Uh, I started w- learning French when I was a little kid in Vermont in the Northeast United States. Um, and I also learned some Spanish, Portuguese, uh, and a little bit of this, that, and the other, whatever I'm interested mm-hmm. in at the time. Uh, okay. but r- right now, um, I think if someone were to ask me what languages I speak, uh, I think it's really, we have to pay attention to the words we use, you know, like when you say what languages do you speak as opposed to what languages do you read or write, you know, these are very sure. different things. You know, I sure. can, uh, when we're talking about speech, I, I think I've lost a lot of my French, like a lot of okay. it. Um, so I'm most comfortable in English and Korean right now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm learning more and more Portuguese um so i speak a little bit of it but i have a very hard time uh understanding um whereas uh, with french i understand a lot but i'm having a hard time producing at the level that i understand um and then with other languages like japanese like i i can't speak any japanese but <clears throat> i can read 
uh, like political and economic news articles in in Japanese because I've I've learned the the grammar patterns and and there's a lot of uh, you know uh, Chinese characters in the writing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of academic writing or mm-hmm. um, reporting writing that you would see uh, or journalistic writing those writing styles uh, heavily overlap uh, between Korean and Japanese so um, it really depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> Uh, uh, but yeah. uh, I mean, the the summary is uh, a multifaceted, multi skilled person, and, mm. and and that's also I think <laughs> something that you um, uh, ha- have become uh, well known mm. for as well. Thank um, you. D- d- tell me how how uh, you came to become a an ambassador for the WWF. Mm. So that was actually, it's just so much happens in life that is serendipitous or by circumstance. So uh, I I went to one of these Wine on Wednesdays uh, events that were happening in Seoul. I and remember those. Yes. So I, I went to one those. of those. Shout out and to Todd Sample. Yes, exactly. Shout out to Todd Sample. So Todd Sample is the reason why I got connected to WWF. So he had invited someone from WWF to this event. And I was okay. also at the event. And he made okay. an introduction and said, hey, you like the environment. This is an environmental organization, WWF. And I was like, oh, my God, like the panda one. <laughs> like <I> flipped out, <laughs> like had a little bit of a fan moment. Uh, uh-huh. And then we got talking and it turns out they had uh, entered Korea in about 2014, which is when I started media. And after getting all of their sort of groundwork done, they were looking to, to find someone who could uh, share their message with the public. And mm-hmm. this was in about 2016. And so... I was like, well, it, I'm totally 100% willing to do that as long as you teach me as much as you can about everything you know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's how it started. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's interesting yeah, just uh, in that to, have, to have that, uh, yeah, as you say. But you mean, you say serendipitous uh, moment, but at the same mm-hmm. time, people say the harder you work, the more luck you create. So in that uh... sense... Um, you know, hmm. we, we can always uh, do that. And, and just before we, we started this episode, we were saying uh, how, how busy we've been and, and hmm. how in, in Korea, when, when often people ask, um, you know, how have you been? Oh, hmm. I've, I've been so busy. And then people, rather than saying, oh, uh, what's wrong? Like, well, you know, are you okay? That rather more, it's oh, fantastic! Well done. That's great to hear mm-hmm. because this 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 constant busyness is is something that's a, right. a real um, a present factor in everyday life uh, here, uh, yeah. for sure. I feel like I feel like there's a there's a there's some there's got to be something that uh, how do how would you put this? It's it's important to I mean you use the phrase uh, the harder you work, the more luck you create. And I think that this is true to a degree, but like you said, if we are too busy in the sense of occupied, then what happens is we are not able to identify or engage with the opportunities around us because we're too preoccupied with other things. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, so I, I think that's, that's always sort of been a, a really difficult 
balance to strike, I think, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. really putting yourself, at least as, as a person who works in media, because you're always mm-hmm. meeting people. There's always opportunities everywhere. If you're too open to everything, you'll never get anything done. If you're sure. not opening to everything or anything, then you're never going to get anywhere. So you got to find a way uh, to keep yourself open at the same time as you keep yourself busy. I'm, and I'm gonna gonna kind of uh, go deeper on that. What what is your way? What what is your method to find mm. th- that balance to to strike that balance? Um, I think f- for me personally, it's just really important to define what it is uh, that you care about. Like, what okay. is it that you care about most in this moment? Be- so mm-hmm. when we talk about uh, having goals or having things that we we set as priorities. Well, you can't have priorities, you can't have goals, you can't have any of that if you don't know what you care about more in the moment. You know, mm-hmm. is if you don't know if, for example, earnings are more important to you or new ventures are more important to you or learning is more important to you, you have to have a very fundam- fundamental value that you are using to identify uh, how to make decisions. And before I learned to be able to do this, I I have to tell you, I used to grab way too many opportunities, become way too busy, not be able to execute on them and and wake up with burnout at some point and just be like, I don't know, I give up. And then (laughs) just sort of move on. Um, But but the way for me to get through that, I felt, was to to choose sort of a priority for myself in the sense of a value, you know, for this business, what's more important? Is it, um, is it gaining uh, followers and getting people to learn about the brand or is it making sales? Is it um, me finding a new revenue stream or is it me optimizing my current revenue stream? You know, this kind of uh, value is, is important in order to be able to make that decision. Okay. And and so you you feel that that's something you've kind of learned along the way. It, it it's been a bit of a like an, a kind of emergent evolutionary uh, strategy that you've been able to come to. Yes. What, what sure. does as of now, or what does an average day uh, in the life of Tyler look like? An average day. Oh, well, is so there such a, a thing? Yeah, there okay. is such a thing as an average day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I have a dog, and um, she does her business outside. So <laughs> I take her out every morning. I I walk her usually about four times a day, and that's pretty much set okay. in stone. Okay. Uh, unless there's a, an important work thing that I have to do, in which case I will arrange for a friend who lives in my neighborhood to take care of the dog. So I have a very solid schedule that's built around uh, my single family family member, which is my dog. And then uh, I have a a pretty decent workout schedule that I stick to. So I usually wake up in the morning, take my dog out, go get a cup of coffee and breakfast, hit the gym for a little bit, and then go to whatever appointments, uh, meetings or lectures or whatever thing of the day exists in the afternoon and in the evening. Uh, And in those morning hours uh, between, you know, while I'm having my coffee and before I go to my workout, that's what I'm doing all of my uh, my emailing, my contacting, my, you know, uh, the tidbits of work here and there, the busy okay. work that the I admin. don't necessarily want to focus yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, 
Okay. And uh, I think that we, we talked about uh, before how, how also you're, you're quite regimented in working on weekends, uh, not working on weekends yes. and, and deciding what, what kind of things you do in that respect. Do you also uh, find yourself uh, traveling a lot? Is, is that uh, also something that you find uh, yourself doing? Mm. I I don't actually travel very much. I, I used to travel a lot. Whenever I would get a lot of stress and needed to sort of unplug, I would just leave mm-hmm. the country uh, mm-hmm. for the weekend. But I, I don't do that so much anymore because, uh, again, I have a dog. And so that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> but um, now that I have sort of determined that, you know, I'm not going to do as much work on the weekends. And when I say I don't, I'm not going to do work on the weekends, I actually mean I'm not going to go to filming or or give lectures or external events on the weekends. What I use my weekends for either uh, is either personal time or it's working on another project or getting ahead on a project or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I don't find myself traveling un- unless it's for work, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how, did, uh, how did you come about to publish a book um, and mm. add another uh, string <laughs> to your bow? Well, I think that was always something that people had asked me to do since okay. the beginning of my career in media is, you know, you should write okay. a book about this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And most of the requests that I received were, uh, can you write about what Korea is like through the perspective of, through the eyes of a foreigner or, or what? Mm-hmm. And I didn't okay. feel like these requests were valid. Um, this sort of ran up against my my value and my priorities and how I decide what's worth getting done and what's not. So okay. if it's something someone else can do or is doing, it's not worth me doing. Okay. Somebody else can do it. Mm-hmm. So sure. I'm not going to bother with that. So if anybody else who's a non-Korean individual who's lived in Korea for a significant amount of time can provide a non-Korean perspective and that's all they need to write about, they can write that book. I'm not going to write that book. So I'm going to write something that I care about and only Tyler wants to say. So for me, that was uh, the, something related to the environment. And one publishing company actually approached me with this idea for this other book. But in the other book, they had this section mm-hmm. about the environment. And I said to them, oh, well, this is great. Since you have all these different topics you want to work on with me, let's just start with this one because this one can be its own book. And we can talk okay. about all the rest for the next one. Okay. <laughs> and so I pulled out that idea and said, let's just focus on that. And that became or there is no second planet, there is no second earth. Um, and I specifically wanted to design that book so that the book itself uh, sort of portrayed the message or embodied the message of the writing of the book. So it's about the climate crisis and why we need to care and how that affects our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted the book to use minimal a minimal amount of ink. I wanted it to be FSC certified paper. I wanted it to do everything that it could to be a little bit more environmentally friendly to show that... Uh, we can actually make those choices in the work that we do and have the book become sort of a statement in and of itself. And, and thankfully I, I was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And so, so uh, it, it is, uh, there is only a Korean version 
at the moment? Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There was a point where the company, the publishing house. So I don't know how many people are aware of this, but uh, overseas, in most ca cases, the publishing houses don't take the rights for uh, foreign language uh, versions of the writing. The foreign language version of the manuscript, the rights for that are usually held by a separate agent who then shops those into foreign markets. Whereas here in Korea, the writer typically has to give up all of their foreign language uh, manuscript rights to the publishing house because the publishing house plays the same role as publisher and agent in South Korea. So it's a bit of a power struggle there. Um, but so this company wanted to take the English rights and have those uh, sold off somewhere in Southeast Asia. They took it to this big conference or what. And I, I, I just, um, I didn't think that was going to come of anything because personally the book was written uniquely with the Korean audience in mind. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the state of the, the conversation around the climate crisis in other linguistic communities is mm -hmm. extremely different. And to sure. take it okay. from a Korean context and put it into an English context, just there's there's no value to the book anymore in my perspective right. there's it's Makes already sense. too too over discussed so uh there's only a korean version <laughs> yeah okay yeah no that that, that makes sense um uh, now i think it'd be safe to say that you've probably inspired millions of people to have an interest in korea at least as mm. as uh, as a foreigner who has mm -hmm. uh, come to korea and built a career uh, here mm -hmm. and, and, and done so many things. Um, a lot of uh, the, the, you know, the Get Stuff Done uh, uh, project is, is also about finding your why. We've talked about that and, and you know, mm -hmm. your path. And, and a lot of people also can, can be quite late in their career and still find themselves reevaluating what, it what is it that right. I'm doing. Um, so, so for people perhaps that that uh, are earlier in their career, um, mm -hmm. you know, and now that you've you've had uh, a certain amount of work experience in in a foreign country, what what advice do, would you be able to give people who who are considering whether it's to go and have a career overseas or specifically in Korea? Mm, great question. I think. The first thing I would like to say is no matter where you are in the world today, uh, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are. You can be anywhere. It's a question of you being able to see other places from where you mm -hmm. are or not. Can you imagine, uh, you know, starting a blog in Azerbaijan? Why not? Like, I'm sure someone can do it. Like, it's I mean, like literally pick any place on the map. Yeah. Uh, and you can figure it out. So and there are just so many countries that are open with new opportunities and the level of economic integration that we have in the global economy at this point is insane. You know, you don't even you can you can live in Bali and do work in Mexico at the same time. Like it, it's this is the world we live in. So if you're if you live in South Korea and you're thinking, oh, my job opportunities and my human capital can only be applied to these kind of companies. There are only foreign companies and Korean companies. No, that's not how the world works. And you better break that perspective as fast as you can mm -hmm. because 
you don't see how the world is functioning and and there are so many more opportunities available to you and the same mm-hmm. to be said for people who are in in you know my home country in the united states and they think oh this is the entire economy and just what we have here no it's not like there's so much more available uh outside for you it's just a question of you being able to find it and it's also a question of you being entrepreneurial enough to be able to craft out your own niche in another mm-hmm. economy because when we talk about global economic integration and the opening up of economies you know if country a is extremely unglobalized and then opens mm-hmm. up their doors to the world mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then people from country b c d e f g can all run into country a and start a business that's great that's wonderful but guess what people in country a aren't going to have an example for you how to do that. It's not going to exist because they haven't done it yet. So yeah. you have to figure that out on your own. And this is true for everything. So if you want to start a new career in Korea, you want to find opportunities in Korea, or if you're a Korean and you want to find opportunities abroad, you may be able to find good examples or people who have done something that you can learn from, mm-hmm. but you will mm-hmm. not find someone who has done what you will wind up doing. And I think that's an important point is you need to be open yeah. to creating your own journey and your own your own space in the market as a professional or an entrepreneur or whatever path you choose. You yeah. are responsible for building that path and nobody else is going to make it for you. That being said, there are plenty of places where you can make a path in the woods. It's just your choice about which direction you want to go into. I think that's that's very sound advice. This is not a political podcast, but uh, is there is there a sense? No, no, I, I not reference to your answer. It's it's mm. referencing to what I'm about to say, which is: okay. Are you making <laughs> are you making a long term bet on north of the border? Oh, the opening the opening of that. You know, we, actually, we don't, we don't have to go there. Maybe we, I have uh, no idea. I have absolutely no idea what will happen with North Korea <laughs> or the economy or or the future of any of the countries in Northeast Asia. But what I do know is that uh, based on the degree of warming that we've already experienced since pre-industrial levels, which is roughly 1.3 on average degrees Celsius, uh, mm-hmm. based on this amount of global average temperature increase, we know that starting in 2035, we'll be able to do trade through the Bering Strait and and through, um, through the North Pole, right? So... Uh, this will fundamentally change the world that we live in. Uh, yeah. Doing trade through the Ta- the Strait, uh, the Taiwanese Strait, and the, the South China Sea, and through the Malaccan Strait that that only has to happen half the year, mm-hmm. um, or less than half the year. So, uh, starting in, in 2035, that sounds like a far distant time from now, but that'll mean there's at least 20 years of trade happening through that region before I retire. And I was born in 1988, right? So just imagining the future of the global economy, we're talking about an insanely different shift. Everything changes at such a rate we can't imagine. You need to be able to imagine what's happening outside of your country and the opportunities that exist for you there because those opportunities, they may increase, they may decrease, they may change. But if you're aware of it, um, you you have a lot to gain. Yeah. 
that perception of time is is something that I I do continue to struggle with uh, mm-hmm. on on a regular basis. You know, I, I was shocked to realise that next year will be twenty years since I graduated my undergrad. Um, that <laughs> yes, kind of took, took a bit of a blow, <laughs> um, but at the same time, I you know I can't believe that I have been in Korea for fourteen years now. Mm. You know, I didn't imagine. You know, if you asked me, you know, even. Even you know seven years ago, you know, will will you you know be here in 2024? I I, I probably would have said no. I, I don't think so. Um, but here we are. And, and then, but when you bring it down to a, a much more uh, smaller time frame in terms of what you can do on a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis, then actually you can get a lot done because mm-hmm. day by day it accumulates. Uh, so 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 much um, o- over time that kind of compounding um, impact. Yes, so, sure. um, w- you know, we were talking about people and and maybe how they kind of look at their careers. If you ask at least school kids, um, I'm not sure about my kids, but um, if you ask a lot of school kids or, or um, uh, y- young people these days, what do you want to do when you grow up? They say YouTuber. Um, you know, mm. uh, online celebrity, uh, and 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 you have significant uh, followers. H- how important do you think is is social media, or, mm. or alternatively, what what are some of the um, you know things we should be careful about uh, with regards to to social media? Uh, oh gosh, well. <laughs> I think so. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not. Yeah, I'm sorry for not. Sorry for not pre pre warning no, about no. this topic. No, I mean, I I think, um, gosh, as a person in media, I have to say that social media is an extremely important tool uh, mm-hmm. for people in my position to earn money. And uh, as a person who runs a business, it's an extremely important tool to speak or connect with customers. That being said. Uh, as an average person or user of social media, mm-hmm. um, I actually think it's extremely detrimental um, to our mental health and our well-being and to our ability to access information. Uh, I do not believe that social media platforms are designed to enable us to learn or mm-hmm. expand our perspectives. And in fact, it's pretty much designed to create an addictive uh, habit and yeah. usually to uh, sort of uh, sort of funnel your perspectives into a much more echo chamber type of echo space. chamber exactly that's what yeah. they say yeah yeah so um so no i don't think it's helpful uh i think you can find ways to use it and manipulate it if mm-hmm. you're smart mm-hmm. enough but you have to be mm-hmm. very careful with that um mm-hmm. and then i also think that in the end all of mm-hmm. these platforms are the same. Uh, they all sort of cycle through different functions and, and different processes in their lifestyles or mm-hmm. sorry, lifespans, life cycles, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, but, you know, whether we're talking about Facebook, TikTok or, you know, um, anything else. LinkedIn, like, my better, like uh, LinkedIn, right, which, which was founded by actually someone from my high school, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. Um, but uh, all of these things, they they pull us in the same direction and and um, they will all change eventually to some other platform anyways. Sure. So yeah. you, you just yeah. have to be aware that you are uh, being, so this, in Korea, they use this word uh, prosumer. 
Oh, yeah. Right? Like producer and consumer at the same time. Yeah. And that's what you're doing on social media. But in the end, really what it is, is you're making somebody else's product and buying somebody else's product at the same time. That's what you do in social media. You know, yeah. with YouTube, you earn 50% of your earnings or more goes to YouTube. You're, you are their employee yeah, at the right. same time as right. you are their customer. Imagine how wonderful that is for, you know, for Google, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So you got to be aware that that is the ecosystem that you're functioning in. And if you understand that, then it's okay. But those ecosystems will all change and all evolve. And the scary part is those functionalities and algorithms and that design of that ecosystem will also then shift into other interfaces that we will see in the near future with virtual and augmented reality. And, you know, we were talking about using, you know, Apple products or meta products and like you can see the interface in your, like it's projected on your hand. All of those things will then be literally in the space that we live in. And so I think it's important people for people to be aware of what ecosystem is being developed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's all over social media right now, of course, is the the Apple Vision Pro um, and (laughs) the the parodies of people living or going down the street whilst in Mm. this um, augmented uh, virtual reality. But um, Mm -hmm. um, Tyler, you you are, I think I mentioned about how you you probably inspired uh, millions of people around the world to have an interesting career. You're also a bit of an ambassador for Korean, right? I think I think mm. as someone who clearly is passionate about language, and that's something mm. that you've actually now uh, really gone into in in a much bigger way with your recent, <laughs> yes. you, with your recent uh, uh, business that you've set up. Um, also, mm-hmm. um, with with uh, with someone that that I also know. Uh, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that uh, recent project that you've launched. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, my friend Nidhi, who's from India, Nidhi and I, uh, we started something called Hangul Kwaja, or it's basically Korean alphabet snacks. Um, so many countries or, or linguistic communities have their own alphabet snack, whether it's a cracker or cookie or something like that. Or oh, alphabet um, spaghetti. That was that was what I personally thought. Yes. I don't know whether that is that whether that still exists or I don't know. Is that a thing in America? Or I definitely had thing? that. Okay, I definitely had yeah, that. Okay, yeah. I hate so to have like it on alphabet toast. soup and things like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, for sure. The sort of pasta based uh, product. Yes, um, yeah, but yeah. South Korea doesn't have this, even though Korea has its own extremely unique. Uh, writing system that many Koreans are very proud of. Uh, and, yep. and this writing system is actually very symbolic uh, for the country and its culture and its soft power as a whole. But, Fully agree. Uh, Fully agree. Yeah, but people haven't really found a way to engage with it in a fun and interesting way because what happens is people will take Hangul or the Korean writing system and it'll quickly become this linguistic thing about how unique the Korean language is or how difficult the Korean language is or it will become a little bit too, um, what's what's the word, a little bit too ethno-nationalist in okay. its yep. uh, approach, yep. right? And really w- what would be great if it were to happen, would be uh, this writing system could be something that people could play with um, and get to know and have fun with. And for me, uh, I think that, you know, snacks are a really great way for people to play and have fun. And 
to have a Korean alphabet snack would just be a perfect way for anybody to taste, interact, smell, play, and learn. Uh, sure. So I think it's really the perfect combination for sort of a cultural food, K food product. Uh, mm -hmm. So Nidhi and I, we started this uh, last year on Korean Alphabet Day or Hunger Day. And we've been producing uh, all of this stuff by hand so far. Uh, and we actually just today at the time of recording, um, we've completely ran av out of a certain product and oversold. So we're sort of going okay. through some growing pains in a good way. Hey, that's, that's the problem yeah. that you, that you want to have, right? Correct. I mean, yes. Okay. Yes. So, so this is a, a, a dry kind of crisp or chip ah. kind of snack. Yes. So technically in Korea, they categorize it as a biscuit snack. So biscuit this snack. is the most controversial okay. word in the English language is a biscuit, right? Like for you, sure maybe is. that's a cookie. For me, that's like a lump of bread kind of thing. The horror of going to KFC in America <laughs> and being told that we're going to have biscuits and seeing what came out. But that's, yes, that was my impression. Yeah, yeah, right? It's a, it's a completely different concept. And now, remember, I'm doing this business with an Indian, right? And for her, a biscuit is another thing. So we're all like, and, okay. I don't know what to call this. Okay. <laughs> we don't know what to call it, but Koreans call it a biscuit. So basically, it's like halfway between a cracker and a cookie. I think that's okay. the easiest way to think about it. Um, and it's, uh, our first product started with uh, one that's garlic flavor and another that's mugwort or soup flavor. And this comes okay. from a, a traditional Korean story, the tangunshina, right? Um, and now we have a second or a third and fourth product. Uh, we have a chocolate flavor and we have a organic rice flour version. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Korea, I, I don't know. Uh, I can certainly say that that food trends are not so rapid in the UK. The way that mm. the honey butter uh, oh, yeah. was was a huge <laughs> thing, and then the the next thing was was mint uh, mint choco mint was, was the next biggest thing. Mm. I mean, there's been yeah, there's there's been so it. many. So so I mean, it feels like with these kind of uh, this unique product, and but at the same time, maybe not necessarily instantly i mean the the mm -hmm. classic salted uh flavor is not there right i, I think you've, right. you've kind of gone a bit traditional which is which is also great mm -hmm. um and uh, so i, I mean direct question where can this be uh, acquired where can we obtain the hangul ah. Raja? Right. So if you um, if you have an Instagram account, uh, you can go on Instagram, more social media. Yay. <laughs> so <laughs> go on Instagram and you can keep search it social. For, <laughs> keep it social. Hunger uh, Gwaja uh -huh. in Korean. If you search for search for Hunger Gwaja, the account will pop up. Uh, we have a neighbor smart store available. If you search on neighbor for Hunger Gwaja, you should see our product. If you search on Google for Hunger Gwaja, you should probably see our we have an I'm web based uh, shopping mall, which you can also purchase from. Right now, we're registered as in Korea, what they call Juksok Jeju Panme Shinguop. So it's uh, basically the same as a bakery where you make the product and you sell directly to the customer. So okay. we are not able to uh, put our product into stores at this time. So mm -hmm. we're selling directly to customers. Uh, at some point later, uh, we hope to upgrade our status and be able to actually put our product into other online shopping malls and other stores. 
Okay. Uh, but right now, uh, our, we're actually producing everything by hand, so we don't have a lot either. Um, so if you want some, you better check out the website <laughs> as fast as you can. Yeah. And just just paint a picture for me here. When you say making by hand, this is not Tyler's kitchen. No, 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 no. No, this it's is not my kitchen this is a ready a ready uh, <laughs> a bigger operation. Yes, I guess. Yeah. So we have uh, we have sort of a small uh, what would you like facility that we're mm-hmm. working in uh, mm-hmm. where we do our. Um, what is now I'll have to think about this in English. This is much more difficult. We have to do our, you know, you know, make the dough and and the cutting and the baking and the packaging and all this. We have uh-huh. a space specifically okay. that is only for this, and that is okay. registered through the proper venues. Um, so that is where where we're doing the production. But when I say by hand, what I mean is most of the time snacks that have specific shapes are made using a molding process in a very large um, mass produced factory right. scheme. Uh, right. And for us, we weren't really sure 100% uh, as entrepreneurs, what the best flavor would be in the beginning, mm. and what the best combination of letters would be, what mm-hmm. the best shapes of letters mm-hmm. fonts would be. So we didn't want to go directly to a molding process because we wanted to experiment more with our product. So right now, uh, we're using a handheld cutters, Uh, to actually print every single uh, letter individually. And then we bake those letters individually and package them individually. And so everything is currently uh, being done by hand. Okay, wow. Um, So I actually was thinking about you and the Hangul Gwadja over this weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, Today is is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, first of all. Happy Valentine's Day, yes. Um, Little unknown fact for people outside Korea, the tradition in Korea is that women buy presents for men on Valentine's yes. Day. Yeah. And women very will very quickly remind you that on the 14th of March, one month later, that the reverse will happen. And that's when traditionally men will buy gifts for women. But anyway, yes. enough of that. I was thinking about you because I was down in Daegu at my uh, parents-in-law's place and they have a restaurant and I was uh, working at packaging their mm-hmm. gengnip or I think in English, uh-huh. per- perilla. Perilla, I think is, is what it's called. It's, it looks right. like nettle. But it it smells. Mm-hmm. It's part of the mint family, and I was mm-hmm. thinking, actually, this is in yeah. your kind of sphere of of flavors, sure. which could work. <laughs> so, so yes, it is. If yes. if uh, gingnip becomes one of your future flavors, then uh, royalties oh, back to sure. back to GSD, please. As soon as this finishes, I'm going to be doing some like sourcing searches for like genyip powders and things like this. <laughs> so, do it. For sure. Do it. And we're so interested in that kind of um, sort of, uh, you know, you say yopkijokin kind of, you know, like out there kind of uh, Korean flavors that Koreans are very Definitely. used to, but people don't usually think love of it. to put in a snack. So, love it. We and love that. Have yeah. you had a very, uh, have you had good initial responses from Koreans because you're focusing on the Korean market initially? Yes, actually, this is the fascinating part of it. So whenever we talk about hunger guaja and we tell people about it, they're like, "Don't does that already exist?" And we're like, "No, it doesn't." And that's why we need to make it. <laughs> and they're like, "Really?" And so then they look it up, and it's like, "Wow, this is so cute. Why didn't this exist before? Yeah, uh, this yeah. would be a great gift to give. I want to buy it for someone." And so this is sort of the initial reaction that we're getting so far. Of course, right. we have a lot of room to improve. So if any anybody has any ideas on how we can improve our product or how we can better go about it, I'd be more than happy to receive any feedback or advice or, or pointers about that. Um, but so far, uh, pretty positive feedback is what we're awesome. experiencing. 
Well, the very best of luck with that with that project. Thank you. Um, but I mean, of course, through your uh, your media career, you, you've also mm-hmm. very much forged a uh, reputation for for uh, you know for English and Korean, mm-hmm. like the languages. Um, yes. and, and I know that you've been the face of some uh, education companies. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that uh, you've also gone down that route yourself, um, and yes, you've actually now yeah. established uh, a company in that in that sector as well. T- tell us a little bit about that. Right. So I think most people actually in Korea now associate me with a company called uh, Qualsin and our brand called Real Class, which is uh, an online uh, English uh, instruction platform. And uh, that is an entire, everything they do is entirely online. And it's been a really great solution for people who are looking for something like that, especially during the COVID times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel pretty strongly that there's a need for people to engage and uh, apply uh, their language skills in real life uh, with their peers uh, in order to, uh, in, in Korean, the linguistic term for it would be onosengar. Right, it's your mm-hmm. your your ling- linguistic lifestyle, so to speak. Yeah. Your language yeah. lifestyle, application of language in your day to day life is extremely yeah. important for acquisition and proficiency. Right, so I believe that this needs to happen. So again, my friend Needy and I, <laughs> we put together uh, this sort of language immersion training program called Speak Up Meetup. So essentially what we do, yes. So so the whole point is right there, right? So like speak up where the goal is to speak up and like not just sit there and be quiet the whole time. Yeah. Okay. So what we do is we get people together. uh, They don't have to know each other and we break them down uh, into groups and teams and we constantly change those groups and teams so that they're working with different people. And usually a session will start with uh, a short uh, lecture Uh, about 10 to 15 minutes about a specific topic like diversity or teamwork or uh, the different types of English that exist in the world. And all of this is done in English in sort of a more simple English approach to get people warmed up. Mm -hmm. And then we Mm -hmm. do related group activities in teams uh, to get people to apply the English that they already have. Uh, and sort of builds confidence and and grow into themselves. So that is sort of the focus of the program. And we have a bunch of different different themes for each session. And uh, we're hoping to target more um, business people and working people who professional, young professionals who want to have a bit more of a, a global approach to their mm. communication. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what we're yeah. focusing on right now. Yeah. I think that that's so needed right now in Korea. I think mm. I think I, I meet so many people in my in you know my business of, of RDI who have a great um, English test score, and <clears throat> you can't have a conversation with them. Um, yes, I remember with my former Korean colleagues would would often be quoting bizarre you know abstract quotes from from mm-hmm. literature or philosophy and other things you know quotes that i've never even heard of before not your kind of like commonly used in daily language quotes but they would they would know them off by heart yep. when when then they're still not able to make an english presentation and and so i think it's it's a really uh, great um aspect to to focus on the the very active acquisition because i think also it's mm. about the speed of acquisition as well i think um i mean i you know I, the 
ability to meet people, have an interest in it, and then and then practice it right there on the spot is is obviously the the most effective way to to learn quickly and and effectively. So I think I For think sure. that's absolutely great. So so that uh, is it like regular events that, that people can just sign up for, or is it kind of event by event? How how does it work? Uh, we usually host these events on behalf of a sponsor. So okay. uh, if there's a company that wants to do this for their employees or to do it for a, sort of a, a larger community that they're part of, then mm-hmm. they can reach out to us through speakupmeetup.com uh, mm-hmm. and request an event. So the people that we started and developed this program with was uh, Google Startup Campus. And so okay. we did four events uh, for them and for their community. So we don't have like a specific meetup that we're hosting or a school or some facility like that. What we do is we will come to your facility and to your community or to the type of people that you want to pull together uh, and then host our event uh, on your behalf. Fantastic. I mean, I, I'm also a member of uh, several different organizations here. So mm-hmm. I hope that um, I, I can I can uh, see see what uh, what potential there there is, because I think I think it's Thank the you. most practical um, use. And, and also you show me the videos of how it looks. It just looks fun. And I think that's the most important thing. If it's fun, then yes. then people will will learn without even feeling like they're learning, which is, you know, which is, that's just so important. I can't, I can't stress how important this is, is I think that English language education in, in South Korea has been demonized and manipulated to the point at which it's about judging people instead of about empowering people and people have completely lost the opportunity to enjoy the language and enjoy its application and communication and its use. And so for us, speaking up, speak up meetup is really about getting people to be able to do that because that's the only way that they can become confident and feel comfortable and grow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I fully agree. And, you know, we've, in the past, <clears throat> pre pre COVID, we also um, ran a lot of workshops for for groups, and there are these moments where, t- you know, you're bringing together. You said people don't necessarily know each other. Even the same organization, mm-hmm. they've worked together side by side for so long, but they don't really know each other, and, right. and they have these moments where you know they're they're, they're doing an activity together, making something or, or creating something or contributing to to some kind of activity. And there are these little moments of of kind of like collaboration that happen, and then and then the trust builds, and and it and it just goes from there. And it, those those are really really special, I think. So, um, basically, congratulations right. for for pursuing um, this um, in another way. And definitely a big yeah. shout out to Nidi as a yes, as a fellow sure. Yonsei Global MBA alumni, one of the one of the foreigners uh, who have come out of that program of the years. Mm-hmm. Um, since uh, I graduated there, and, and there's there's many others um, along the mm-hmm. way. Although the vast majority, unfortunately, have not been able to stay in Korea, even mm-hmm. though many wanted to um, mm-hmm. over the time. Um, yeah. Um, yes. Now she's I, a just to just to sorry sorry to interrupt you, but she's sure. absolutely amazing, and I I just have to say uh, she's like a crazy engine. And if you want to talk about getting stuff done, yeah. She's the person to talk to for okay. sure, for okay. sure. Amazing at getting stuff done. Um, I would not be able to do these these businesses that I'm doing uh, with without her. So 
uh, definitely highly suggest that you speak with her as well. I love I love getting uh, guest recommendations uh, <laughs> yeah. on, on on this um, uh, as well. Um, now, I happen to notice that on your mm. website that there is oh. a whole section dedicated to mm. art. And oh. <laughs> it actually says, I think it's a piece written by yourself about how you love to paint with acrylic. Now, mm-hmm. that links to that piece behind you. And I, I don't know whether it is one of yours <laughs> or not. It is, yes. But I yeah. also, uh, tell me about that aspect of your life and, and, and you know, mm. how, how that, you know, yeah. Tell me, tell me more. Um, I think... So for me, uh, I like to paint this, this behind me is an acrylic that I, that I did. It actually matches another one that's in a friend's cafe now. Um, and I just, I like to do it because it feels good. So I know that it's a visual art form. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that, but for me, it, it's, it's a physical experience and it's very centering and, when you do it, you don't know if what you're painting is going to be what you want it to be or not. It sort of becomes what it becomes as you do it. And so you have no choice but to sort of let go of this obsession with productivity that we live with. And that's why I like to paint because it's purely a creative process where you have to sort of just let go of your sort of industrial obsessions with with work and productivity and you can just accept expression as an action and so that's why i like to paint yeah it's interesting you mentioned that it's not a pomodoro technique of of 20 minutes focus time when when it comes to that yeah you can't do that so this the piece behind you how how long roughly would it would it take to 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 paint that would you say um let's see this one this piece behind me Hmm. gosh I think I did this in less than an hour because it's acrylic. So it dries quickly um, wow. and I can do multiple layers in one go. I don't like to spend too much time uh, fretting over what things look like. That's why I hate oil paint. I can't do oil paint okay. uh, because psychologically for me, it's, it never ends. Uh, when you say less than it ends. So. When when you say less than an hour, all of a sudden I got images of you as a Jackson Pollock in your studio, throwing <laughs> paint around, you yeah, know, yeah, getting yeah. it getting it done in, in, in less than an hour. That, wow, okay, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I have to ask because it's on your website. Is, is your art for sale, or or is this something a pure passion oh. project? Um, at first, it started off as a pure passion mm-hmm. uh, sort of project thing that I do. Um, mm-hmm. I started to do a lot of it during the COVID era and okay. um, then people were like, oh, you have paintings. Let's put them in this gallery over here. And so okay. I did a, a, a show with, um, I think it's called K Gallery or Gallery K. And um, they had like one floor just with uh, about 40 of my paintings, um, wow. some of which sold, some of which did not sell. And that was my first experience sort of selling artwork. Um, which which was fun and interesting to learn about. But I think at the end of the day, for me, like if, if you want to buy it, you can buy it. Just like contact me. That's totally cool. But I'm I'm not I don't I'm not good at focusing on on that because it's not my process. Okay, so you're not taking <laughs> you're not taking commissions. That's that's what you're saying. I will if you send me one. <laughs> but I but it's not my it's not why I paint. And okay, yeah, okay. So. But I mean. <laughs> I, I, once once you've sold a piece of art 
mm-hmm. I think that tips you into officially an artist. But, uh-huh. You know, I mean, passion project. You know, people can obviously paint their entire life, but if, mm-hmm. if they don't sell anything, then then you know it is just a passion project. But whereas mm-hmm. you, you've actually had an exhibition and sold pieces, mm-hmm. that's that's amazing. Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> that that that's uh, uh, you know a part of of what you've done. So. Uh, you, you, you've published a book. You, you've mm-hmm. you've sold art. Uh, you've yeah. become one of the most uh, uh, famous foreigners uh, in, in Korea. Um, you, you've delivered, I think, dozens, if not hundreds, of of lectures. Um, uh, you know, in, in offline, face to face, and and starred in so many TV TV mm-hmm. shows. You've done that in uh, essentially, it's like ten years. Uh, yes. Roughly, yeah. basically. Correct. So, million dollar question: twenty thirty four, ten years from now. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. What 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 is Tyler Rash going to be doing uh, in that time? Oh wow! Ten years from now, twenty thirty four, I will be forty five, forty six. Wow! Gosh, I have no idea. Um, but. That's really difficult to imagine, but I do okay. know that I will continue to try to do the things that I have in my head and get them into the real world. That's what okay. I'm going to continue to do. And I think that's what I've always done. Uh, and these past 10 years have been sort of a process of me figuring out how mm-hmm. do I know which ones are worth doing? How do I know uh, how to go about doing those, which ones need to wait, which ones need mm-hmm. to happen first, mm-hmm. uh, which ones can I do on my own or do I need other people with? Like, mm-hmm. this is a sort of uh, methodological learning period yeah. for me the past 10 years. And now I have a much better understanding of what that is. So my ability to take an idea and then turn it into the beginnings of a business and run tests on it, I think is a lot better than it used to be. And I would hope that within the next 10 years that, some of these sort of idea children that I have put in the world will sort of start to grow up and maybe live with other people <laughs> in a way, okay. you know? So uh, I hope okay. someday maybe Hangul Gwaja can be a brand or a product that another company is, is running uh, or that Speak Up Meetup can be its own thing uh, that exists on its own without me. And I can in a hundred countries... On- <laughs> wherever it is whatever it becomes yeah uh i'd be more okay. than happy with that um, all right and and i think i would like to really just do do more of the things that are in my head okay yeah but if if any if the last 10 years are anything to go by it's mm-hmm. going to be another half dozen or more very sure. eclectic but each successfully in their own right uh, elements, mm. which which I think is is something that, um, in <laughs> under the title of "Get Stuff Done," I think you're mm. you're obviously a, clearly a very high achiever, but very very kind of uh, you know relaxed and 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 mm. you know unassuming about about that. Where mm. you know people's dream is to is to write a book, right? Um, uh, right, and 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 and, and yeah. you've done that, and so there's this. Can I just can I just like attack this idea for a second about like, sure. having the dream of writing a book? Because uh-huh. I run into this a lot. I give a lot of speeches and and talks about uh, career paths and and doing what you want to do in life and accomplishing mm. your goals and your okay. dreams, etc. Obviously, in a Korean context, but 
the, th- the idea that I constantly run into is people have this uh, idea that what you want to do, uh, the end goal in order to get there needs to follow some sort of formula. And so in order to become a lawyer, you have to go to law school, you have to pass the bar, you have to do blah, 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 right? And they, they apply this methodology to other things they want to do in life. In order mm-hmm, to write a mm-hmm. book, you need to write the first chapter, you need to have a blah, blah, like these kind of things. And while that may work for some things in life, like becoming a lawyer or something that is highly regulated by the government where you actually yep. have to do specific things. Sure, specific that can steps. work. Yep. Yep. But with most things in life, with mm-hmm. an idea that you haven't seen happen before mm-hmm. or a thing you want to make in the world, these things don't happen based on a formula or a step-by-step process. They happen through experimentation. And those ex- the, that experimentation can never happen on a large scale in the beginning. It's impossible. If you try to do that, you will immediately give up. It's not yeah. that you will fail. Fail is fail, Failing is perfect. Why? Because an experiment, we don't care about if it's a failure or success. The point of experimentation is not to create a result. It's to create a process, right? We don't experiment in order to get a yes or a no at the end. We experiment to, to get a, oh, if I change this variable in this way, and if I do yeah. that, then it changes yeah. like this. It's yeah. learning and finding a better way of, a, yeah. of, a, of creating. That is For what sure. experimentation is. That's what it does in the lab. That's what it does in its creative process. And we need to really throw out this idea that in order to write a book as your dream, then you have to write the first chapter, then the second chapter. You have to have an outline. You have to blah, blah, blah. These kind of like preconceived ideas of accomplishment and getting things done need to be thrown out the window. And the first thing you need to do is sit down and write something that's on your mind. And then what is the next thing you do? Do you do the same thing over and over again? No, you don't. You take it to the next step, right? So you've written what's on your mind. Did you like that process? If you didn't like that process, maybe writing isn't for you. Does that mean you can't write a book? No, it doesn't. Maybe you should talk to yourself on your phone and record it and do voice to text. Did you try that? If you tried that and that didn't work, okay, well then what's the next thing you can do? This is the process that you need to Absolutely. go through. You know? So totally. I, I I feel this very, very strongly. That's how that's how I am able to determine if the ideas in my head are worth doing or not. Uh, and and move forward in my life. There's tons of things yeah. that I've done that we haven't talked about that were complete bogus random useless stuff that is no longer applicable (laughs) but i figured that out quickly through experimentation and i think we need to encourage each other to do that more instead of pressurize each other to adhere to a formula for a specific result a thousand percent and and that is absolutely (laughs) one of the the key tenets of get stuff done is that starting is one of mm-hmm. the most important things because as you For say sure. you learn as soon as you start and mm-hmm. and you you fail which uh, is also important to to understand what's going to work and what's not going to work um, and so so yeah definitely I think I think there's so there's too many people waiting uh, making the yes. perfect plan um, meanwhile, uh, other people in some cases have already started and and achieved already completed yes. the first stage of of what's what's being measured um mm-hmm. okay well and like you said before i'm sorry to interrupt like you said before you mentioned uh i think you said cro- cross applicable skills or something like transferable that? skills transferable skills right 
Yes, sir. This is what we're getting transferable skills from. Yes. We're getting transferable skills from experimentation, yes. not from formulaic approaches. So even if you don't get the result you want, you will be able to apply that to something else that you may want in the future. Tyler, that was almost perfectly scripted because my last <laughs> question was going to be, what do you consider to be the most important transferable skill? Ah, the most important transferable mm. skill. Oof. Oof, oof, oof. Ah, yeah. And on that That's note, really join point. us for part two. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> K-drama yeah. style. Oh, I, no, I'm... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is a skill or not. Okay, but I think, share it. Um, I mean, there's a ton. There's just so many important transferable skills. Okay. Um, what's what's the one that you think that you've maybe you yourself have got the most value out of? I think my ability to prioritize and crisis manage is the most transferable, most helpful skill I've gained. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I just watched an interview with my namesake, Gordon Ramsay, uh, the mm -hmm. other day, and he uh, put a lot of his success down to being able to ride through the storm. Um, I guess mm -hmm. in in his area of, of busy kitchens, there's a lot of chaos. Um, but oh, sure. uh, maybe he was he was referring to more than just the kitchen. But he mm -hmm. said that um, one of the key points for him in his uh, success in his career has been the ability to not give up and ride through the storm and, and get through the other side. So. Um, I think sure. that is a perfect way to to end. Um, we've we've actually gone longer than any other episode uh, that, I, that I've done so far. So that's fantastic. I think we've we've covered a, a, such a broad range of topics, and we still have others which which we didn't mm. get to. So so maybe that will require us to come back um, for another episode um, in, in the sure. future. But thank you so much, Tyler, for for sharing uh, all of the things that you have done and learnt, and uh, even currently doing, and in the process. Of, of growing and thank you so much for having me this has been so much fun and uh yes i think i wound up talking a lot and i have way much more to say so if you want to do this again i'm totally down with that uh i love to have the opportunity to talk about this kind of thing i think more need, more people need to discuss it i also encourage you though to uh maybe meet with uh nidi agrawal as well because she's also super sharp on this you know getting stuff done uh type of discussion uh, so thank you again I, for having me <laughs> thank you so much tyler and also to everybody who has been uh, watching this episode or, or listening uh, on the podcast platforms thank you so much for being with us uh, for following the get stuff done podcast if you haven't yet subscribed i sincerely hope that you do so so that you can continue to get the new episodes as they come out every thursday I will continue as my part to bring you more interesting, insightful and fantastic guests, uh, just like Tyler has been uh, today on Valentine's Day. Um, thank you uh, once again and look forward to seeing you in the next episode soon. Thank you for listening to the Get Stuff Done podcast. If you would like to be a guest in the future, please do reach out. Or if you would like to recommend someone, that would be awesome as well. Make sure you keep listening as we will be bringing you fresh insights every week because getting stuff done is something everyone needs.